Welcome to the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. I'm Father Josh Allen, chaplain at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. This is Alex Carroll, focused missionary here at Tech. And I'm Kyle Simonis. I am the Pastoral Lackey 2.0. So, Kyle, this is Kyle's first time on the podcast. Kyle, tell us, uh, what is that title again? Pastoral Lackey 2.0. What does that mean? <laughs> Pastoral Lackey 2.0. Uh, it's basically... Uh, filling in, or uh, the successor to the mighty TJ. Mighty. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> basically just doing anything that Father Josh says in the office. Uh, right now it's kind of been doing website and cleaning things, but uh, it's a very humbling uh, position, but it's it's definitely fun. I definitely enjoy it. And you do it poorly. So <laughs> thank you for... I'm glad I fill my How do you find yourself in that position? Uh, well, I am actually in the process of applying to uh, to be a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and uh, Father Josh, in all of his wisdom, had uh, had thought this might be a good opportunity to uh, to kind of hang around uh, and do nothing <laughs> in terms take of take a semester <laughs> off. <laughs> in terms of discernment, uh, while the application is being uh, written uh, and, and submitted and everything, so. Hopefully, God willing, uh, it'll be good in, in the fall. Well, we're very happy to have you, and you are also a graduate of Georgia Tech, correct? I am. I am. I graduated in December with my uh, bachelor's in aerospace engineering, a little wow. little ways a little ways away from philosophy and theology, but that's but yeah. okay. I was an art major, <laughs> and he's already mumbling. <clears throat> so today's topic uh, for the podcast is how to have a good Lent. Our sincere hope is that we have this podcast posted sometime before Lent is over. Uh, but nevertheless, how to have a good Lent. Either this year or next. Yeah. Either this year or, or next. Do do so either how, how to have a good Lent in 2016 or 2017. We'll see. Um, so the question I have for you two to start with is, what was your best Lent that you can remember and what was your worst Lent? And do you know why? Mm. Alex. Best Lent? I don't know if I can identify Best Lent. I can probably identify Worst Lent. <laughs> that shows you exactly how spiritually attuned I am. Um, I think my worst one, I... So it was just like, just as I was kind of having my reconversion experience, um, just kind of getting back into the faith. I was in college, and me and a friend of mine decided to go no meat for Lent, right? Sort of this big undertaking for Lenten sacrifice. And I remember not exactly having like the right perspective going into it and just like thinking of it as like a personal triumph like like running a marathon or like I just want to do this so I can say I gave up meat for 40 days but in reality I just ate like a, I went to Denny's like all the time and ate <laughs> unlimited pancakes and I think at least four times a week I was at McDonald's with the two for three dollars fish fillets filet of fishes or whatever I had probably over 50 of those over the course of Lent, which I love. So I love pancakes and I love those stupid sandwiches. So I'm like, there's supposed to be some sacrifice to, you know, prepare me for the coming of Christ. And it really just ended up being like an unhealthy diet. So, so when Easter came that year, did you feel like you had grown in any virtue? Was it uh, an excellent uh, experience? What's I grew up? in like creative ways to get around the meat sacrifice, like eating a lot of pancakes. So, okay. no. so that would be a no. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was a bad time. Uh, for myself, I know probably my my worst Lent, I guess, would be uh, giving up. I don't even remember what I gave up, but I remember that basically my whole thought process was I want to be as miserable as possible so that everyone else can see that I've given up something. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave up some some crazy thing that I, sh- that I shouldn't have given I don't even know. I, I just say it's like milk or water or you know, like something that 
it's really um, for me it was, it was kind of stupid and uh, just like the entire time it was like always griping complaining because I was like oh yeah it's my I have this privilege to complain yeah, right. the, en- the entire time at, of Lent what'd you give up chocolate oh boo <laughs> I gave up I haven't drank water in four days <laughs> <laughs> but like just because it, it was like oh here's the excuse to gripe for you know 40 days or whatever so uh, I think for myself, the best Lent, and like I said, I don't, I don't remember exactly what I what I had done, but was I had realized I was getting into this rut of kind of figuring out, okay, what am I giving up this year? What am I giving up out this year? And then uh, some priest gave this homily about uh, instead of giving up something, if you're stuck in kind of that routine, instead of doing something, of making the sacrifice to do something you, you don't always do, uh, some act, some charitable act or something like that. And so, um, in terms of that, that it was just better for me in the sense that it allowed me to kind of uh, to get to kind of remind myself about Lent in a positive way, uh, at least for myself in a healthy positive way, uh, rather than an unhealthy negative way. Though I can say that you know there's you can do positive neg- or uh, healthy negative ways, I guess as well. Um, if you yeah, have. so I get what you mean. Yeah, there's good things to give up, but sometimes it can be too much where you should just add more. I understand what you're saying. So my, um, it's funny because Alex uh, mentioned giving up meat one year. and I, I actually think the best Lent I ever had was when I was a student at Georgia Tech. Really? And I gave up meat one year. Now, here's the irony of it, right? <laughs> yeah, this is why I said really. <laughs> I didn't attend Mass the entire time I was a student at Tech. Really? Right? I didn't. I might have gone over to, like, Holy Spirit once or twice because I got invited by family or right, something. Right. You know, but so I didn't attend Mass the entire time I was at Georgia Tech. I was not Catholic. I didn't pretend to be Catholic. I was actually an atheist. But when Lent came around, I would give up something for Lent. It's weird. I, I cannot explain it. It doesn't make any sense. It's irrational, but nevertheless, there it is. So one year, I remember I decided to give up meat. And uh, I was living on campus, and it's just not the easiest mm. thing in the world to do. Yeah. Um, and it was hard, but I remember at the end, I was like, wow, this was really good. Because it's the kind of thing you have to think about every day. It's not like you're giving something up that you only encounter every once in a while. Right, yeah. Right? Every time you sit down to eat, mm. you tend to eat meat. Yeah. Right? And... Uh, so that was a good one. And I remember that being a very good... It was like a good Lent in that sense. It was a real sacrifice. I had to think about it. It probably didn't bring me any closer to God. Um, so in that sense... We lost a few pounds, so you know, it, well, it's Well, I don't know. Cheese doesn't exactly... Uh, <laughs> cheese isn't exactly weight loss inducing. It's a lot of magic. You know, you actually yeah. might lose more weight just going all meat and cutting mm-hmm. the rest of it out. This Lent, all Take meat. Take that challenge, exactly. Nothing. Let's do it. Meat. <laughs> Except, Only carn- <laughs> carnivore this one. Oh, man. Is that... Can you do that? Is that a sac- it's kind of a sacrifice because you have to buy a lot of meat. So, you know, and, and sort of like almsgiving. At some point, you're going to want something. Yeah. There will be a moment where I You'll want crave. bread. Yeah. You'll want vegetables. Oh, man, like you'll just, want something. Especially for breakfast, just waking up and just, just like eating sausage. Bacon. Like, that's it. Bacon. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, nothing. The all bacon lint. That like could a, be intense. All bacon lint? God, you're just asking for like a heart attack there. That's a sacrifice, though. Right, that's a sacrifice. Sacrificing your health. I think there's a line, isn't there? There's probably. So, yeah. well, we'll talk about that. So, <laughs> maybe we should talk about like <laughs> what, what, what is the? So, if we want to figure out how to have, have a good Lent, obviously part of it is what we decide to do as our Lenten penance, mm-hmm. right? But there's other elements to Lent. Yeah. Um, 
But, I mean, let's just stick with the penance thing because that's probably the thing that is the most tangible day-to-day aspect of Lent for most people. Um, oh, and I, I forgot to say, like, my worst Lents. Mm-hmm. My worst Lents have been, I mean, they're all tied for worst since I have been a priest. Really? Oh, it's terrible. You, uh, as a priest, the problem is, like, it's the second we get into Lent, we're already planning for Easter. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's like when I was not a priest, I didn't have to think about Easter. I could just gotcha. focus on Lent, right? But now that now that I'm a priest, like we start Easter planning meetings like yeah. the first week of Lent, because there's a lot that goes oh, on. And then this nice. year we're doing the mission trip. Yeah. So this year, uh, spring break and Holy Week fall on the same week. So Georgia Tech, we're all going down to Peru, and we're actually going to celebrate uh, the Triduum in the shanty town that we've worked in several years. And uh, so now we're going to be doing like an kind of quasi outdoor. There'll be somewhere between a hundred and 10,000 people attending. <laughs> um, and we, we won't really know till we get there yeah. uh, kind of thing. I've got to like write out all my homilies, in Spanish. get them all translated into Spanish. <laughs> right. Yeah. All practice all them fast, all. Yeah. Practice right. them all, so people actually think that I'm more than just a gringo trying to read Spanish. <laughs> uh, and then we gotta, we've got to have like provisional plans for how we're going to do all the various parts of the liturgy on the side of a mountain, <laughs> right? So, it's, I mean, we've got like a parish. It's not like mm. you know the rules say that you're supposed to do all that stuff in a parish. We've got a parish. That's not the problem. Yeah. The problem is. The parish for the shanty town that's got three hundred fifty thousand dollar Catholic, three hundred fifty thousand Catholics in it. The parish holds about a hundred people, so there's just nothing, nothing you can do if you're going to do it. You got to do it outside, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so anyway, so my entire Lent, Lent my entire Lent is going to be thinking about Easter, right? Yeah. I'm thinking about Finger I'm writing homily, homilies. Yeah. I mean, I will start writing Triduum homilies next week. Wow, really? It's Ash Wednesday next week, three months, and I will start writing Triduum homilies for next week. Wow. Because um, we got to do all the planning and everything. And the yeah. other thing, too, is like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm like gringo down in Peru offering the Triduum to people, most people who have never seen the Triduum at all before. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they, they got to be good. High pressure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> got to be good. You can't recycle so, them this year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no going to the file, right? Yeah. So, um, so, no, but it's been like that every single um, Lent so far mm-hmm. that I've had as a priestess. You're just... The other thing, too, is you're just stupid busy. I'm not complaining about that. It's good, mm-hmm. right? But you're stupid busy. You, there's penance services yeah. every night. Yeah. Um, tons. I mean, we'll even see it here, right? Our normal confession times um, suddenly become completely inadequate yeah. to cover all the people that are coming to confession. Uh, just, just tons of stuff going on. And so by the end of Lent, then you start the triduum, and it's nonstop for three days. By the end of all that, like a priest is generally just exhausted. So you finish with the whole thing. There's no celebrating the Easter. You just want to go to bed, right? <laughs> and uh, so it's just it's a it's a strange experience. Um, and it and it didn't happen at all until I was in a parish. Yeah. You know, in seminary, there's, there's liturgy people that do all that stuff, right. and there's other people that I've mean, got my little part to do, but yeah. it doesn't matter. So. Um, I mean, I would say that uh, even even the things that I've given up haven't really mattered. You know, it's like we try to do something, you try to give something up for Lent, and I'm like, okay, well, that was actually kind of easy. Like, it, it's not hard to yeah. to do some of this stuff. And so, at any rate, 
So how do you have a good Lent, right? Yeah. So here's the priest who hasn't had a good Lent since he's been a priest. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how to have yeah. a good Lent. So we'll, maybe we'll let we're Alex doing, tell us how to have a good We're doing marriage prep after this. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I think maybe let's try Let's see if we can try to define what would make a good Lent. What is a good Lent? Uh... Okay, so Lent is the time of preparation before Easter, right? And so it's supposed to be a time of uh, kind of self-sacrifice, um, sort of a lessening of the self and uh, a gaining more of Christ, right? So as John the Baptist says, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. And so that's like our Lenten experience. And the church tells us that we can do prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Those are like the three ways that we sort of participate in, well, in Lent and like throughout the whole year, I guess. But um, especially during Lent, these are like the three things that we should be focusing on. Um, so yeah, fasting and penance kind of go to the same thing. Prayer, almsgiving, giving of money. So yeah, so having a good Lent, I guess, means yeah, uh, sort of like suppressing your passions, like sort of like a self mastery, but it's more like a like a sacrifice over something. Um, it's like I don't just give up chocolate, so like I don't have to eat. Like so, I'm better at just saying no to chocolate. Like I give up chocolate, and then I'm denying myself like this worldly pleasure, which is perfectly fine in and of itself. But I'm denying it for something greater, denying it in expectation for something greater. I'm preparing for this great thing to come. Right. I think. I think also, there, at least for me, it feels like there should be a lot more like solemnity towards it, especially as we're you know bringing up to uh, Christ's passion, right and by making it more, you know, you can do all this for the rest of the year, but especially during Lent, kind of making your sacrifice be more humbly solemn, yeah. um, because you want to kind of remember kind of what's what's taking you know what's taking place during this season. What do you mean though when you say like more humbly solemn? Well, so like when I said my worst Lent is when I was complaining about everything, right? And so while versus my uh, my good Lent, which is about you know being okay, I'm going to do good things. But I, I don't know if I would consider that really solemn, mm-hmm. um, the even doing the good things, right? So by having that, by it's kind of the best of both worlds of you want to be solemn in what you're doing in terms of sacrifice, but you also want to be humble in that and the whole, um, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Um, don't let, you know, when you're, when you're fasting, clean yourself up so that people don't know you're fasting. Where you're doing this for Christ. You're doing this not for anyone else to see you. Um, but you're also remaining solemn in whatever you're doing. I always laugh because the uh, gospel for Ash Wednesday is the gospel you just described. Yeah. Like when you fast, you know, don't whatever it is like the pagans wash your do. Face, wash yeah. your face, mm-hmm. do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I smear ashes all over everybody. <laughs> right, so it's like, um, what's that all about? And if you want to understand that, come listen to Ash Wednesday at the Catholic Center. We have lots of masses. Um, look on the website. Um, this is going to come out after Ash Wednesday. <laughs> What's that? This is going to come out after Ash Wednesday. Even for next Ash Wednesday. <laughs> even for next Ash Wednesday. There'll be a lot of masses. Look That's on right. the website. Yeah. Whatever Ash Wednesday you come to. Just go to Mass. Right? That's right. Just go to Mass. And, uh, Listen to the Georgia Tech Catholic Podcast. That's right. So people come and you, you smear ashes all over their face, and then we get this gospel that says, you know, when you fast, wash your face. Yeah. Don't let okay. people see you fasting, but then we're all walking around campus with a big cross exactly. on our faces. Exactly, <laughs> right? So, and then you get the, like, the really gung-ho students who'll come to the really early mass, oh, yeah. because precisely because they want that all cross day. on their face all day to walk around Badge campus. Of honor. Which, by the way, I think is awesome. Okay? <laughs> but 
Uh, it's just so you start it's, taking it's selfies funny. of yourself and posting on that's Facebook. Right. That's right. That that's stupid. Stop doing it. <laughs> All of you listening. Hashtag. Yeah, hashtag. Hashtag, right. hashtag. Hashtag, hashtag. Whatever that even means. So, whatever. <laughs> so, um... Uh, okay, so some some principles I think that are useful for choosing a uh, a Lenten penance. The idea of penance, the fundamental idea, is that it it does several things. It helps us to grow in self mastery. So just denying ourselves things that are hard to give up, just for the sake of building the ability to give them up, that is worthwhile. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to say, I mean, we ought we, we ought to want to do that for God, but but we do. So let me let me explain that a little more. So if someone, for instance, is struggling with temperance in mm-hmm. in something, whatever sure. it is, um. Learning to build temperance in a complementary but different area can help them to grow in temperance in this other area of their life. Sure. So, for instance, if someone is um, uh, like at Georgia Tech, they are they have just no schedule whatsoever. They're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants all the time. They can't figure out. Like, we won't name any names. So yeah, exactly. We're not going to name names. Yeah. But, so most, but you know who you are. <laughs> exactly. And it's most of you. Yeah. Right. So every single person is listening. Exactly. <laughs> They're all like, "Oh wow, he's talking about me." <laughs> um, so you know, you don't have any, you don't have a real plan. It's just like, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do this, so I'm going to do those things, and then I'm not going to think about what I got to do after that. Um, the discipline of putting yourself on a schedule will also have an ancillary benefit because what you're doing is you're building in yourself a certain habit of denial, mm-hmm. right? When something comes that is sinful in nature, it becomes easier for someone who's accustomed to denial to deny themselves something that's going to bring them um, immediate Mm -hmm. and temporary pleasure in sin. So someone who lives according to a good, strong schedule um, and is getting all the things done that they're supposed to do is going to be like less prone to fall in the temptation of, say, using drugs or of, you know, doing the kind of thing, whatever kind of things we're not supposed to do, Mm -hmm. right? So generally speaking, I always tell people, like, if you're having trouble with temperance, um, it's funny because a lot of times what people do is, well, I'm having trouble kind of keeping this under control. And I say, so what are you trying to do about it? Well, I'm trying to keep it under control. Like, well, how's that working for you? <laughs> not so great. It's not going, it's not, it's not going very well. It's I don't think right. it's a very good strategy. Yeah. I'm like, it's not a good strategy. That's right. You know, so instead of that, it's I'm trying to build temperance. Well, forget about this particular sin that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Let's work on temperance somewhere else in your right. life. Just getting out of bed. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Sometimes it's just first when your alarm goes off, mm-hmm. get out of bed, no snoozing, no anything. Wake up, get out of bed, get on your knees, say a couple prayers, make your bed, go get ready, get out of your house. Yeah. That's right? the, that's that heroic minute, right? That's Saint what Jose Saint, Saint Maria, Maria is yeah. <laughs> So just do that and instead of trying to trying to figure out, okay, well, I never seem to get my homework done in time. I'm always wasting time with this. You just work on the morning, mm-hmm. right? And little by little, temperance as a virtue grows in us and we begin to see it in other aspects of our life. Mm-hmm. So that aspect of penance, just to build a virtue, right. is good because the virtue, even if it seems kind of secular, the purpose, mm-hmm. the virtue itself is going to assist you in other areas of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, so um, to build virtues, to grow in our ability to deny ourselves, because there's, I mean, frankly, there's a lot of things in the Christian life we have to deny ourselves, right? Yeah, of course. Um, 
And the second, I think, is to remove those things that have grown in our life that present obstacles to God. Now, it's not the greatest. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say that was the greatest Lenten penance in the world if you give up mortal sin for Lent, <laughs> right? Well, you should first, wait for Lent for that. Well, first of all, you know, we got all kinds of problems, right? You know, I've yeah. heard people tell me this before. It's like you got a couple, they come in to see you during Lent for marriage yeah. prep, and they're like, oh, we're getting married. I'm, like, very excited for you, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, and you ask them, you know, we get, we get around to it, and eventually mm-hmm. it turns out that they're, you know, living together as married people. And uh, then I said, oh, but we gave up having sex for Lent. I'm like... Oh, that's great. <laughs> so when the Lord's risen, we're just going to go right back to mortal sin? Is that kind of the plan? You know, And, of course, they don't really intend that. Right. So sometimes people will use Lent because it's just a good time. It's like a restart. Everybody's doing yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's I like say to myself, resolutions, but for Catholics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I say to myself, you know what? Now I am really going to get a handle on you know gossip. I'm really going to take it seriously. I'm going to notice when I'm doing it. I'm going to pray when I do it. I'm going to really try to be intentional. Um, I ought never to gossip, but once a good excuse. Yeah. Um, and I will say this. I mean, you'll hear some priests, or I'm sure there'll be articles written in the next couple of days talking about how, you know, you're not supposed to be giving up sins for Lent. You're supposed to do mm-hmm. that anyway, right? right? Which is true. But all things considered, I think it's a win. If you give up a sin for Lent, yeah. and then Easter comes and you're done with it. Yeah. You know, like... Mm-hmm. I think I mean that's a huge win. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. It's like what are you worried about giving up chocolate for if you're in a constant state of mortal sin? Right. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff. I know people who for Lent they come to Mass. They come to Mass on Sundays during Lent. This is good. Maybe so, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's good. It gives you six chances to give a homily to somebody that might, you know, help them change their mind, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So uh you have the denial of self and then you have the removing the obstacles that keep us from God. And then kind of a third purpose is to directly do things that we know will bring us closer to God. Right? Um, and that's when we get into more direct stuff about um, prayer for the sake of God. Okay. Fasting for the sake of God. Right? I'm mm-hmm. giving this up. That's when you start hearing about fasting, not as a building of self-mastery, mm-hmm. but fasting as a constant reminder that the physical hunger or the, you know, if, if it's f- food fasting, the physical yeah. hunger that you feel is but a small physical experience mm-hmm. of the spiritual hunger that you feel in a much greater, greater sense. Right. So all that stuff is kind of going on. So given that then, how should someone go about picking something to give up? Are these like, are these tiered? Are these like layered? So you gave the three things. One was... Uh, a sacrifice for self mastery. Uh, what was the second one? Sacrifice for uh, eliminating an obstacle. Eliminating a, a large obstacle, and then the third one was a sacrifice for the sake of Christ, the Lord. Well, yeah, yeah. I would say probably number two in that list comes mm-hmm. first, yeah. right? Removing right. big obstacles right. to God's grace. So if there's a big obstacle, start there. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I'm. I would. I would say to someone who hasn't been to confession in a long time, like. You give up rutabagas for Lent, do whatever it is that you do, and you decide, I'm going to go to confession during Lent, and you go. And maybe that's mm-hmm. the only thing you do the whole Lent. Yeah. That's a win. Okay. Because mm-hmm. right? you've yeah. just moved, you've, you've removed an enormous mm-hmm. obstacle. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think obstacles probably first. Yeah. So, uh, so go ahead then. Uh, no, I, I think I agree with you. I think I th- obstacle would be the first one, right? Get that, that giant boulder out of your way on this path. And then I think the, 
if we were going to kind of keep ranking them in order, I don't know if that's really necessary, but the first one would come second, right? Self-mastery. So, self-mastery, right? Because if you're, if you're, you can't really sacrifice to the Lord if all the time you're sacrificing, you're still working on mastering yourself, right? Like, it's, it's like, only whenever uh, we've self-mastered that that sacrifice has to mean something else now. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, it's like learning the piano, right? Mm-hmm. When you first start playing the piano, well, first of all, you start off playing goofy little songs, and then if you're going to do it and get really good, you have, you know, eight, nine years where all you're doing are finger exercises. Sure. And they'll throw a song in every once in a while for you mm-hmm. to learn just so that you don't give up. Just to keep you going. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, essentially, you need to do 10 years of finger exercises right. yeah. to be a great pianist. So these are finger exercises. Exactly. It's I like Because like, it. at I first, like it. all you're doing yeah. is learning how to use your fingers. Then someone, after they've done that, after they have that self-mastery, if you will, now they're able to automatically do these things right. so that when the pianist is playing the piece, instead of having to think about how do I do this, mm, this is a good analogy. they're now able to offer this for the sake right. of creating this emotion or that in or in the case of spirituality, offer it in the for for uh, greater love of God. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to think that we can kind of jump right past the mundane mm-hmm. of self mastery, right to everything that I do I offer for God. Um that's that's a huge trap of pride. Yeah, huge trap. Does it happen a lot? Do you find people that, that I mean, through spiritual direction or what that that do that? Or is there oh, a lot of? I think people do this all the time in our culture, of, especially. Yeah, because nobody wants to nobody wants to practice. Right, right. I think I was telling I was talking to somebody the other day about how many dull, droll, repeatable, stupid articles there are on the internet written by Catholic sources. Mm. Right. And I read them, and some people read them, they're like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And I think to myself, uh, you know, he's just restating what this guy said two years ago and what this guy said four years ago. And actually what somebody said 1,600 years ago, much, much better. (laughs) Right? But what we do now is nobody wants to study. Nobody wants to take the time to read. Nobody wants the time to take take the time to research. Mm -hmm. Um, We just want to produce. Produce, produce, produce. Uh, I I love the story of Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas studied philosophy and theology at the higher level, like in an academic setting, for 20 years before he wrote his first thing, right? Like, who does that today? Now, now you get people who go to college, they get a degree in theology. Four-year degree. Yeah. A four-year degree in theology. <laughs> yeah. But only one year of that degree, they're actually studying theology. The rest right. of it, they're doing English Literature, and social yeah. studies and all the things for that sure. you do for, right? Yeah. One year, year and a half of that is actual theology. And now they're coming out and they're producing stuff, and you know it's like Trees well, on the big face, surprise yeah. that it's not very impressive, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or it's not very helpful. Sure. It's just more and more and more stuff heaped up. Right. Right. Um, so, I think we have this tendency in our spiritual life. We want to jump. We want to jump to the great stuff without going through, you know, all the droll. Right. Nobody like people read Saint Catherine of Siena and they're like, "Wow, I want to have prayer like this." Well, that's fine, but Catherine of Siena like. She she prayed all the time, yeah, for a long time. Right. I think a big thing of that too is just the people today of just the impatience of you know wanting whatever they want right then, right? And just that's a good point. It's like, well, I don't want to spend the time building myself up because I want the satisfaction of kind of getting to this yeah. end goal. And so a lot of people, it's like just kind of jumping into the lake at first. But if you do that, if you don't know how to swim, <laughs> yep. it's not going to mm-hmm. end well. 
Yeah. So some people think it's laziness. Other people, I think it's just excitement, right? So whenever I have my conversion experience in college, like here it is, time for sainthood. Like I just wanted to go headlong into <laughs> no meat. Let's figure this out. Let's sainthood. I'll be a martyr tomorrow. I haven't been confession in like ten years, right? So it's like I didn't really think all the way through. And so I think some people, it's more excitement, but. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, maybe myself included, that it's sort of a pride thing. We're kind of blinding ourselves. Uh, and the other thing, I think we have a, um, there is a vice, um, uh, a dangerous vice called curiosity, uh, curiositas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, curiosity is an, it, so when we think of curiosity, we tend to think of inquisitiveness, I- inquisitiveness, which yeah. is not the same as right. curiosity, mm-hmm. right? So curiosity is when I want to know about things that I really, ought not to know about, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I think today, one of the things that people have a great deal of is curiosity. Um, And we don't have the discipline to tell ourselves that though that is an interesting thing, I ought not to be studying this. Like, I get asked questions regularly about things like exorcism and possession and Mm -hmm. oppression and stuff like that. And I, I, I know... I guarantee you I know more than 99.9% of the people out there about it. Sure. But I still don't know that much. Right. And it's just something that I think to myself, this is not a healthy curiosity. Right? It's not a healthy curiosity. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that goes on today when we're reading spiritual books, when we're reading whatever, is people are very curious about things that are well beyond where they are. You know, they're mm-hmm. well beyond it. When most people, what they need to do is you talk to somebody. I've had people come and sit down in my office and they tell me, well, you know what? I have these, you know, elucidations from God and, you know, I have this and blah, 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 and and constant state of contemplation. And I ask them basic things like, well, how much time do you pray every day? Oh, I don't pray every day. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you may be having elucidations, but it ain't from God. Right? Like that stuff builds on... Right. The regulars, right? Yeah, yeah. You get somebody that comes in and tells me that they have this incredible prayer life, and I ask them, well, how much time do you spend in meditation every day? Oh, I don't do that. Well, how much time do you do this? I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do whatever. And it's like, these are the classics. Mm-hmm. The classics. The building blocks, yeah. The stuff that saints have been, uh, saints are made of, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one of the things that I would say in terms of someone really trying to have a good Lent is to try to exercise some humility and recognize that we're beginners. Yeah. Right? We are beginners. And we need to do the kind of things that beginners do. Beginners work hard to eliminate mortal sin from their life. Beginners work hard to learn how to meditate well. There is no growth in the spiritual life without meditation. None. Um, We could do a podcast on how you meditate at some point. but there's no growth in the spiritual life. You can't move through the purgative way. I mean, because the illuminative way is, is, is characterized by steady contemplation. You can't yeah. get there mm-hmm. unless you've, you've learned to meditate, which is our effort. God blesses it, but it's our effort. Yeah. And if people never get there, their prayer life is never going to advance. They just spin their wheels. And then because they're putting so much effort forward and not getting anywhere... We get really curious about things. We're like, right. well, maybe if I did this novena, or maybe mm. if I did this pilgrimage, or maybe, shortcuts, maybe what I need to do is I need to be you know, doing much more corporal penance, mm-hmm. or maybe I need to be doing all these other kind of things. And in reality, what we need to be doing is making it to Mass every Sunday, no matter what. Like, if you haven't gotten to that point, 
Like, what's the rest of it, right? Right. Oh, yeah, but we only miss two or three a year. Okay, I'm just saying, you're not to that point yet. Uh-huh. Right? Um, making it to Mass every Sunday no matter what. Making it to confession mm-hmm. at least as often as you've committed a serious sin. Right? Making it to confession. Making it to Mass. These kind of basics. Spending some time in some form of personal prayer every day. And if we're not doing that, your your prayer life is not going to advance. Right. I think Lent is to try to help us to advance towards God. And it's the basics that we have to work on. You know, I tell people all the time, I'll say it again on Ash Wednesday, giving up chocolate is not going to bring you any closer to God unless you have some sort of problem with chocolate. Addiction, yeah. I mean, most people are not addicted to chocolate. You might like it, but mm-hmm. telling yourself you can't have it is not the biggest deal in the world. Yeah, It'd be like, uh, it'd be like me saying that I can't have alcohol during Lent. It'll be fine. I don't really care, mm-hmm. right? There might be one or two times where you're with some people and they're having a glass of wine and you might think, oh, I'd like to have a glass of wine, but I'll be fine, yeah. right? Giving me alcohol is not going to make me any holier, mm-hmm. right? Telling myself that I have to get up at the same day every day, that I have to do my holy hour at this time every day, that I have to do these things every day, man, that makes you holy. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff can make you really holy. It can help you at least. Um, so I would say... If you want to give up something good for Lent, you have to very soberly assess where you are mm-hmm. in your spiritual life. Say, well, where do I need to work? Yeah. And people come to see me, they're like, oh, what should I give up for Lent? And I always have boring things to say to them. Right? <laughs> I tell them, set your alarm for the same time every morning and get up at the same time, whether it's a weekday or a weekend. Oof. And go to bed at the same time every night, whether it's a weekend or a weekday. It's a winner. And they're like, oh, Father, that's... No, no, I don't have a problem with that. Let me... Well, what do you have a problem with? You got a problem with all kinds of stuff. I'm telling you what to do for (laughs) one right? You want the basics, but they don't want the basics. They want me to tell them, you know, that if if I do the St. Jude Novena all Lent, then everything will be perfect. No! I mean, you're hopeless. Go to bed and wake up, (laughs) right? Go to bed and wake up. Eat meals at regular times, Mm -hmm. right? Don't eat at 10 o'clock at night. Don't skip meals, like... Do that kind of stuff. Put that kind of schedule in your life. You'd be shocked what happens. Shocked. So be humble. Be humble. Not bad. Humble enough for me to tell you what's wrong with you. That's the key. <laughs> Father knows best. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. This took a, a turn. Holy cow. Tune in next time for marriage prep. <laughs> That's right. Marriage counseling. Sorry. Yeah. Marriage counseling yeah. with Father John. Here we go. <laughs> All right, well, we've already gone too long. Uh, I'm not sure we gave a whole lot of uh, good advice, but um, definitely another thing is, you know, when you hear this, if you have fallen off the train already with your Lenten penance, get back on the train. Like, don't don't let one mistake. If you've picked something that's good for Lent, you're going to mess up. Yeah. If it's easy for you to do, you didn't do well enough, mm-hmm. right? So pick something that's hard for you to do, and if you fall off the train... Get back on the train. It's okay. Keep going. It's a battle, right? It's a battle of self-mastery and of offering our hearts to God. Thank you for listening. It's the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, complaints, if you want to uh, you know, send Kyle any emails, um, letting him know uh, how worthless uh, his position is. Um, not he is a person. He has inestimable value, but as a person, Which as a lackey, really, he's got lack. Um, so if you want to send him anything, podcast at gtcatholic.org. 
I think the only person who can check that email is TJ. So TJ, please, you know, do something. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank God bless.